Hey everybody, thanks for joining us here. My name is Steve Turnbull. I'm here with our two campus pastors at UALC, Pastor Brody, our Mill Run campus pastor, and Pastor Joe, our Lytham Road campus pastor. And uh, we're doing something new here, aren't we? We're all learning together. We can't be together in a large group on Sunday morning right now, but we can all still learn from the Bible together, learn how good Jesus is, and learn how to follow Jesus together. So instead of what might be a usual sermon on a Sunday morning, uh, Joe and Brody and I are here together to uh, host a conversation, to learn from the scriptures together. Uh, we, I think, are going to learn from each other and hope to be able to share some things with you during this time. Today we're especially learning from a story uh, that you can, you can kind of go back a little bit on the mobile app or on the website if you're joining us. If you haven't read or listened to the scripture reading today, you might want to pause this video and do that right now. We are learning from a story where somebody comes to Jesus with a, a question that, that you might be able to relate to. It's someone who comes to Jesus asking Jesus what life is all about. What's the, what's the secret to life? What's the most important thing I could do? He asks it in a, in a first century Hebrew sort of way. He says to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in all the law? Of all the things that Jesus, and of all the things that God wants us, of all those laws, what's the thing that God most wants us to do? And uh, Jesus, there's a couple of great things about this passage that always sort of make me chuckle. One is Jesus hears the question, what's the single most important thing I can do? And Jesus says, here are both of them. <laughs> you should love the Lord your God entirely with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which is just a way of saying with your whole self, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then I love how the guy responds. He goes, good answer, Jesus. <laughs> you, you've answered well. And I love when somebody tells a son of God, good answer. Uh, and uh, the guy affirms Jesus' answer, and then Jesus says to him, uh, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Like you're, you're kind of getting, getting what I'm teaching here. Uh, I love this passage. This is a passage that has instructed me. Uh, it's convicted me. It's inspired me a lot over the years. And I'm looking forward to learning from you guys about it and sharing with you uh, hopefully some important things that we're all learning. And uh, maybe uh, we could start uh, with you, Joe. It, it sounds to me like, like inspiration is something that would describe how you've respond to this teaching. Maybe tell me kind of sure. how you've responded to that. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, what I see at the very beginning is four times Jesus uses the phrase all, that love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Number one, that's a possibility that we actually could love God with all we are. To me, that's, that's an amazing piece that I actually could get there. And I know I'm not there now, but that, that, that Jesus holds that up as someplace where I could go. So I, that makes me excited. There's a possibility out there for me. And to love God all in so that it's not just kind of love God or, or play at loving God, but it's loving God with everything I have and who I am. And that, that, that appeals to me, and I want that with everything would, that is. I wish I were there. Me too. <laughs> me too. You know, and it's interesting that he breaks it up, and, and particularly in, in Mark, he uses all four, your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and to my research, it's the only place where all four are, are pulled together. And so it's literally all of me. It's everything that I have, everything I believe, everything I think, everything I feel, that I can love God with all of that. And then, and then he throws in to love our neighbor as ourselves. So then I, it's like, okay, so how do I love myself in a godly way? Because I've been taught for so many years that it's, it's arrogant to love myself, or it's wrong to love myself, or it's not a Christian thing to love myself. Hmm. If, it's not, if I'm not supposed to love myself, how do I love my neighbor? How do I love others like I love myself? So I've got to figure out, how do I love myself in a godly way? And then finally, to love our neighbor. And, and that's a piece that has taken on new meaning for me in the last couple of years of what does that mean 
to love actually the neighbor who lives next door to me and not just the one that we as church um, take care of in China or in Ethiopia or in all the different places that we have mission work, but the person who actually lives next door to me and to love them. What does that look like? How do I do that? So yeah, I, I see inspiration here. Since you raised the question of uh, loving my neighbor as myself, and uh, yeah. I, I remember somebody asked me once in a small group about that. They, uh, they were somebody, I think, who really struggled with self-image and always thought pretty poorly of themselves and uh, wondered where this put them. Like, well, I don't actually love myself very well. I don't think very highly of myself at all. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you, yeah. Have you ever felt that way? Or yeah. what do you think of that? I, I have. And, and where I've come now is, is that if, if Jesus truly died for me, if I believe that, then I have worth. That the Son of yeah, God would right. choose to die for me. And, and as I read the scriptures, I find that he died for me. That it's, I'm not, and I'm not isolated. There's others. And, and yet I know who I am and I know my shortcomings. And I don't want m- many people to know my shortcomings. But he already does. And yet he still loves me. Then what does it say if I can't love myself? If the Son of God can love me? And that's a place for us to grow is that how do we break the bonds that our world has put on us that loving ourselves is wrong? And, and what we do is we love ourselves wrongly. Not, it's not wrong to love ourselves. We become oh, yeah. arrogant. We become <laughs> yeah. self-centered. We become focused on us instead of the gift that we are that God created. Yeah, I think that uh, even for the person who finds themselves not feeling like they think very highly of themselves, they still feed themselves. They still clothe themselves. Right. They right. still uh, care for themselves in ways that we oftentimes do just unconsciously. Yeah. Um, I think those are ways that we love our neighbor as well. Mm-hmm. Feeding people, clothing people, um, attending to people's uh, uh, needs at a rudimentary level. That very much, I think, speaks to uh, Jesus's desire when he says, love your neighbor as yourselves. When the, when the law says, love your neighbor as yourself, um, it's not just in fantastic ways. Yeah. It's also in very pragmatic. That's, I think that's a really good insight because we could get caught up in like psychologizing this whole thing. Like, yeah. do I really love myself? And how do I, and like you said, we take these just simple practical steps where we care for ourselves. And it, it reminds me the talking about love so much, uh, reminds me of a verse, it's in 1 John. I think it's, everybody knows John 3.16. I think it's 1 John 3.16. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, so we also ought to lay down our lives for one another. And if you have material needs and somebody has, some of material resources and somebody else doesn't, you have enough and they don't, then how can you say you love if you're not sharing? Because right. yeah. just love is real practical like that. Yeah. Right. Uh, Brody, I know from talking to you over the years that you have a pretty personal experience <laughs> Uh, and, and, and born out of personal experience, some good insight into, you know, just the daunting, revealing nature of how, yeah. this is an inspiring picture. Like, I mean, when you talk about that, that's exactly how I respond to you. I'm like, I want that. Like, that would be so great. Yeah. Um, and then there kind of comes a point where you go like, that'd be so great. And I am not so great. <laughs> right. right. So when I was looking at this text uh, uh, and have been reading through the book of Mark for some time now, I've recognized that there... Uh, I don't know. I see a theme that emerges, and one of it is that the disciples, the the individuals that Jesus is addressing, oftentimes in Mark, it is teachers of the law, Pharisees, and scribes. It's like everybody's playing this like big game of I'm better than you. 
Um, I went back even through chapter 7 and talked about all and looked at all the different ways uh, in Mark 7, Pharisees and the teachers of the law are confronting Jesus and uh, his disciples about uh, whether or not they're following like the, the rituals. The ritual that they're addressing, ironically, is hand-washing. <laughs> We've got one up on them there. But uh, it's all we're a like, hand washer than yeah, you. we're a better hand we washer. Than you. The Pharisees, man. Th- yeah. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. Um, but the, the implication is these Pharisees are like, well, they're not following the law like we're following the law. Um, kind of like we're better than you. In Mark 8, um, they went miraculous signs, presuming that if Jesus would do miraculous signs, then, well, you can do something that we can't do, so then we'll listen to you. Um, Mark 9. Their disciples are arguing about which of them is the greatest. They're literally playing the game right there. Um, And and then there are a number of other instances where Pharisees or teachers of the law, they're trying to trap Jesus by asking him really hard questions. And Jesus always answers them in ways that kind of leave them a little bit dumbfounded. But what I saw when I was looking at this text is uh, a clear command about how we ought to behave but my experience tells me that when I try to do the things that God commands me to do, I fall short of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, when one falls short of the expectation time and time again, well, that can lead to despair. And I realize that's, in fact, what the law is doing for us. It is showing us just how far short we fall of the expectation, how far we miss the mark, and that ought to drive us somewhere. For some, it drives us to despair. Well, I can't do this. I, you know, God has prescribed what I ought to do. I can't do it, and therefore, maybe I shouldn't do anything. Uh, the New Testament addresses that question uh, in Romans. Uh, you know, uh, if I can't follow the law, then should I just not even bother? And I, I, I don't think that is the point that God is trying to get to us. The point is... Um, if you can't follow this law, then somebody better follow that law on your behalf. And so in that regard, the law keeps driving us back to how desperately we need a Savior. And that is why I was particularly interested at the end of this exchange between uh, Jesus and this teacher of the law. You know, he asks Jesus a question. Jesus gives a brilliant answer. He says, great answer, then recaps Jesus's answer. And it says that uh, Jesus saw that he had answered wisely. And then Jesus says to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And I think somebody might look at that passage and think, uh, oh, you're, you're almost the way there. You know, just follow that law a little bit better and then you're good. And I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think when Jesus says, you are not far from the kingdom of God, it's kind of like Joe's not far from me right now. I agree with you. Like Jesus is the kingdom of God. Uh, and the, the teacher of the law is not far from the kingdom of God, not because he's trying a little harder to do a little better, but that he's actually in proximity to the one uh, who has fulfilled the law on his behalf. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And would even go to the next step of, so when we love our neighbor, if, if we truly are a follower of Christ and have Jesus in us, then our neighbor is not far from the kingdom of God. And so yeah, right. when we are living our lives as followers of Jesus, and, and I would agree that the, the bar to love God with everything in me is a high bar and one that I fail, but yet I still carry Jesus with me wherever I go. Mm-hmm. And so in loving my neighbor, 
the kingdom of God is not far from my neighbor. Yeah. I find great comfort in that too. That, you, you make me think about how Jesus, when he describes the kingdom of God, he describes, uh, he uses language of nearness. Um, like at the, in the beginning of his teaching and bidding his public ministry, he'll say, the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of God is drawn near. Yeah. And I think at one place, I think it's in the Gospel of Luke, uh, some people are asking him, and he says, the, the kingdom of God, uh, it, it's among you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think that it's just important when we, when we look at the law that we recognize that the law does things. Uh, it curbs evil, but it acts as a mirror, and it shows us uh, what actually is, not what we aspire to. And so uh, that mirror kind of drives us back to uh, our desperate need for somebody to fulfill the law on our behalf. And in this instance, again, the kingdom of God is, draws near. It, right. The kingdom of God is right there. And, and we can take heart in that. Yes. As it pertains to the command, it is of great importance, but not for our righteousness. No. It's for our neighbor. You know, we need to follow this law, not so that we can justify ourselves, because we won't, not because we can kind of puff ourselves up and feel more righteous than the person who's not loving their neighbor as well as we are, but rather so that our neighbor has everything that our neighbor needs. Um, And and that is is the the power in this is for us to realize uh, how much we need a savior. But the real demonstration of love uh, is when we do that which God has commanded us, then our neighbor has what they need, yeah. has food, shelter, uh, has comfort. Um, so so yeah. let, me, let, me, let me ask a question and push it a little bit because this has become a new thought for me in preparing for this sermon actually. Is, so is it possible that loving our neighbor, the tangible, the, the actual flesh and blood next door to us is how we love the intangible, is how we love God with everything in us. And so as we turn our attention to taking care of our neighborhood, as I taking care of our neighbor, taking care of each other, um, those of us who are on staff and taking care of the congregation, that as we love another, as we love our neighbor, that we actually are fulfilling what Jesus has commanded us to do and love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Is that possible? I, I think that's right. I'm not, I'm not optimistic about my ability to fulfill <laughs> it, to do it very well, but I, but sure. I think that that is, um, and I think, I think history teaches us that that was a little bit of a revolutionary thought about God um, in, the, in the first century of Christianity, um, uh, and really drawing from its Jewish roots, yeah. that lots of you know, pagan religion, pagan gods wanted you to bring offerings to the temple, and they wanted you to honor the name of that God, increase the fame of that God, but they didn't really give a rip about how you treated your neighbor. That wasn't, that wasn't kind of part of the deal, right. um, but uh, that you would love God by loving your neighbor. Right. Uh, well, Jesus calls that a new commandment, right? <laughs> Love each other as, as I have loved you. He draws it from the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in John chapter 14, uh, verse 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, if you love me, keep my commands. Right. So in that regard, doing exactly what you are wondering, uh, when we do the things that God commands us to do, it is a demonstration of our love for God. Yeah. It is important, though, that we don't, mistake that as a means to get God to love us. Right. <laughs> when Jesus uh, tells us to, to keep his commands, it's not so that he will love us more. Right. It's a demonstration of how much we love him. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, 
it is important that we don't allow our law keeping uh, to um, puff us up, to create any sense of self-righteousness, because the law will, will show us when we look at it carefully that we're not actually doing it, we're not doing it perfectly, and, it, and it's not a, I mean, if, if we were looking at a standard, the standard that God uses is not, uh, well, you gave it your best shot, it's, it's actually, are you doing it? You know, have you, are you perfectly following this law? And I think, um, you know, when we're honest with ourselves, uh, we just don't. And so our following God's commands demonstrates our love for God. God demonstrated his love for us uh, by dying for us. And and what what more are we going to ask God to do than to do everything? (laughs) Right. And that's exactly the point. I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, go ahead. Finish your point. So, so the idea that God actually initiates and then God uses us to, to, to actually give others what he has first given us. We respond to him. He really is doing it all. Mm-hmm. We just, in some ways, and this is kind of, I don't want to demean it, but we're along for the ride. I mean, he we're is. We're the instrument. Right. We're the instrument. Good word. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think I'm going to bring us to a close here. Uh, and, and thank everyone for coming along with us. We, I mean, we could keep talking about this and, uh, for, for a long time. I think something that, that both of you have said that really resonates with me, and you kind of raised it in that like comparison game. We compare ourselves to other people or to what we should be. And, and I've played that game in my life, and that is a miserable game to play. Um, and I've heard, I've heard Joe talk about this before, too, that the way, the, the way that we love is not um, about reputation. Like, do, I, do you admire my love? Do I, am I impressive or whatever? It's just about a response to God's love. And I think that that's kind of what you both are saying there at the end that's so important to me is that uh, we love because he first loved us, as the scriptures say. And any love that we have is really God's love has been poured out to us and, and it's poured through us. Uh, and I think that that, um, that comparison game, that trying to live up, whatever, just really creates anxiety in us. And that's something that I feel like probably we can all relate to in a variety of ways uh, in our world right now. Um, and when I think back to the way that uh, I guess that that word, that that good news first reached me, um, knowing, this kind of goes back to the beginning of what you said, knowing um, what my worth is, not because I compared well to anybody else or achieved anything, but if the Son of God came for me and died for me, I must be worth something, and I'm going to trust you that my, that my worth is established there. Um, I might even just, if I could share a word with, with all of you, thank you again for joining us, uh, and that it has to do with, you know, receiving this, this teaching, this inspiration, this this vision for life that we could love God and that we could love our neighbor, not of ourselves. We can't actually, but that's the, that's the kind of community that God intends to create among us. That's what Jesus came to lead us to and what Jesus came to empower us for. Uh, that's, that's inspiring to me. Uh, I, the only way to get there, I think, is just by surrendering and turning to Jesus and receiving the love that he has for us. And in these, in these relatively uncertain times and these times that are, cause anxiety to bubble up in the back of many of our hearts and in many of our minds. Uh, I'm reminded of a a saying that I think I've shared with you once before maybe, uh, and I want to share it with you again as something that we can turn to, uh, particularly through this season, and that is to know who we are because of the love that God has had for us, that I am a a child of God, I am a beloved child of God, and I live in the unshakable kingdom of God. I'm a beloved child of God, and I live in the unshakable kingdom of God, which has come near to me. Uh, I invite you, I, I invite you, I encourage you during this time to turn to him, to receive his security, to receive his love, to know that we can walk by faith in him. And it's because he's loved us, because that's where we are, that we can now carry out and live in love for one another.
thank you all very much for, for joining us during this time. Uh, and we're gonna look forward to coming back to you again, hopefully with more uh, encouraging content, more of the good news of just how good Jesus truly is. God bless you.